And welcome back to another episode of the Believe in Georgia Tech podcast, episode number four, coming to you on December 10th, Sunday afternoon. I'm your co- one of your co-hosts, Jackson Caldell, joined by the best co-host in the nation, RJ Schaefer. RJ, man, how's your Sunday going? Great, man. Got a lot to talk about. Yeah, exactly. We got transfer portal. We've got basketball. We've got a little bit of volleyball, women's basketball today. Got bowl game coming up. We got a, a lot happened this week. It doesn't feel like a lot happened just because it's not game week, and you know it's starting to you're starting to get an off season feel a little bit. But plenty of stuff is going on, and we're gonna dive right into it. Before we get started today, though, if you're listening to this, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast, be sure to subscribe, give us a review. Whether it's one star, let us know what we need to do better in the comments. Give us five stars if you think we're doing a good job, trying to build a good good Georgia Tech community here. We would love your feedback. It means a lot to us. Uh, so be sure to do that. That takes care of the busy work. Let's get into some actual sports and stuff. I guess let's. I, w- I want to start off with volleyball because I feel like th- this sport always seems to go under the radar, even though it's, it's really seen a lot of growth nationally. And they lost. They, the, the season ended um, in the tournament against Nebraska. Now, I, I don't know that many people know this, but there is no shame in losing to Nebraska in volleyball at all. Like I know it was a three nothing sweep, but losing, trying to beat Nebraska is like trying to beat Alabama with Nick Saban for the past 10, 15 years. Like Nebraska is unbelievably good at volleyball. They really fought hard and battled hard. I was, I was uh, keeping up with it and watching it all day on Thursday, hoping they could pull a stunner because that would be some, some huge event. Like there was, um, and also volleyball is a pretty big deal. Uh, over in Nebraska, I, I know we mentioned on the last episode that they set the the women's sporting event record for uh, attendance. They had ninety thousand show up in the football stadium to watch that. And I'm sure most remember that. But yeah, man, any any big takeaways from from this volleyball season? I just wanted to be sure we got them talked about them a little bit because they they they've really had a great season and and deserve a big shout out. Yeah, I, I wanted I wanted to say what you said. There there's no shame in losing in Nebraska. They are. 31 and one this season and they're really like bringing the sport of volleyball back into the mainstream because before I'd say this year when Nebraska volleyball was like you know nationally talked about mm-hmm. you really would never hear about volleyball I mean really anywhere no it's look we're not we're, we don't do moral victories here I'm not a big moral victory guy but like I just don't think I'm going to criticize somebody for losing to the premier program in the sport, even if it is three nothing. So they had a big win this season against Louisville. They did a ton of things well this year. It's really been a great run for this program. They had to replace several key pieces from last year as well, but definitely wanted to make sure we shouted out them. Um, and also, as we are speaking today, Kara Dunn had like a record-setting performance in basketball. I think she scored what was it, 39 points. 39 points, 14 and 18 from the field, and 80% from three. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, and who, who were they playing again today? Uh, Georgia State, four and Georgia three. State, oh, a little, in, little in, uh, in-state competition there. I always like it when they when they can beat Georgia State. I saw they won earlier, and I, I was keeping up with their performance too. Like, so big shout-out to women's sports. They, they have done – they have accomplished a lot of big things at, at Georgia Tech this year. Got softball going to be coming around the bend soon. Women's basketball season is still going. It's not like it ended today, but – uh, make sure we wanted to shout out that. Also, before we get into some some bigger football discussion, basketball. You know, when we last talked, basketball was kind of the the talk of the 
Georgia Tech for, for a little bit. You know, football was off this past week. It's just kind of been recruiting and transfer portal. Beat Mississippi State. Beat Duke. You know, they had won three in a row against Georgia. Georgia is decent but not great. It would, you know, be huge for Damon Stoudemire to just go ahead and pick up a win in Athens. That was a pretty gross game. That like that was offensively, they scored Georgia Tech only scored 62 points. Shooting from the floor, it, it was just a challenge all night. And I think that's that's something I'm just watching the rest of the way is just how the offense comes together. Like I think defensively, they've played pretty well. Like they they guarded uh Georgia just as good as they did Duke. Like I, I think Duke and Georgia shot around the same sort of percentage um on Georgia Tech. So the defense has really not been an issue at all, but a little bit of a clunker in that one. But yesterday it's kind of a throwaway game. Like I, I don't know how many of y'all view the Ken Palm rankings, but they're a good little, you know, forward-looking analytical ranking. Alabama A and M is number three hundred and fifty out of three hundred sixty-four teams. So it, it's good that Georgia Tech took care of business yesterday. Like the game was never, never really that close outside of maybe the first five or six minutes when the offense was still struggling to get going. But like Tech's defense put the clamps on them. Uh, Reeves had a 20-point double-double day. Like it, it was pretty breezy victory, but um, any thoughts on basketball this week? Like It was it was good to see him bounce back from a, a bad performance against Georgia. Yeah, th- there's not much to say um, about the Alabama A&M game other than uh, Reeves Jr., that double-double, that was his first of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, next week, though, we actually have two pretty good games. Uh, UMass, who's probably our best opponent since Georgia, and then Penn State before that. Uh, and that'll be in Penn State. Hard yeah. Like, that. that's a pretty – and those are both winnable games. Like, you know, just referencing Ken Palm again, like Penn State and uh, UMass were both lower than Georgia Tech when I looked yesterday. So they have a string of winnable games coming up, and then they'll open ACC play against Florida State. Um, or not open ACC play, kind of resume it because I it, it always weirds me out how ACC does their basketball schedule. Like they'll play one conference game at the beginning of December, take the rest of the month off to do these other non conference games, then just pick it back up. So everybody but Wake Forest has played a conference game already. Um, of course, Georgia Tech was against Duke and they won that game. So a string of winnable games coming up. My eyes on the offense the rest of the way. Like you're talking about a lot of transfers and a lot of freshmen gelling together under a first year head coach. Like going to be some ups and downs. I wrote about that this week after they lost to George. Like, there's just going to be some ups and downs you're going to have to flow with a little bit. But hopefully once you get into the later part of January and into February, things are starting to come together, and maybe they could pull a few upsets in the ACC tournament, and we'll see where they are then. But, yeah, that's kind of the, the basketball talk today, you know, outside of the Georgia Georgia game. Not much to say about yesterday. I mean, it was a game they were favored by 20 and a half in. They won by 21, I believe. So they did just barely get the cover there. So, um We'll see what they got next week in Madison Square Garden. But all right. So kind of our main topic today is just the returning of several Georgia Tech players this week. And I think it, it shows you the sign of the times in college football, transfer portal, NIL, just this new game that we're in now where it is really big news that star players on a team are announcing they're coming back. Like that's a big deal. Like, there was never any super concrete things about any of these guys going anywhere, but it's always a worry. Like you see really good players some from programs that are having a lot of success right now entering the portal, 
And you you have to wonder to yourself, you know, could the same thing happen to Georgia Tech? It's happened before, you know, under different circumstances, sure. But, you know, Jameer Gibbs left a few years ago. Again, that program was in much worse shape than it is now. But, again, it's, it's still notable. And you had Zamari Walton leave. You've had guys leave in the past. But big week this week. Eric Singleton Jr. announced he's coming back. Malik Rutherford announced he's coming back. J- running back Jamal Haynes announced he's coming back. On top of that, you have Haynes King is obviously going to be back. He's not going anywhere. And the only offensive lineman you have to replace right now is Connor Scaglione, who is out of eligibility and was a transfer last year. I know they've been interested in several transfer guards, linemen. I think that's probably where they're going to get uh, his replacement because I think they're going to lean towards more experience while they develop some of the guys in last year's recruiting class and this year's recruiting class um, for the future. But I think it just kind of begs the question, could Georgia Tech have possibly the ACC's best offense now? And, again, this is a very early look at it because nobody's really made a ton of big transfer portal moves yet, whether it's Florida State, Miami, uh, Clemson hasn't really used a portal yet, North Carolina. But I do think it. it the question is worth exploring because Georgia Tech's going to have a lot coming back, and I still think they have something to add. Yeah, and if you look at, um, at Rivals Portal on X, which is a great page, they cover uh, all the transfer portal news. When you look at guys that have entered the portal from ACC teams, uh, Georgia Tech only has five. You have teams like NC State who has 19, North Carolina who has 18, Miami who has 16. It's really, it's really good when you can build a culture under a coach that quickly and be able to rehash almost an entire team with almost all of the same guys that you had the year before. Yeah, and like I think you touched on it there for a second, and and I, I've written about it a little bit this week. Like, sure, there could be some other factors playing into it. I'm not saying it's 100 this, but those players coming back does show me that they do believe in where this program is going and where it's at right now. Like they they're not, man. We had a good season. It's time to go get a bag from somewhere. It's none of that. Like it, it's they are entrenched in this program. They're going to stay next year. And I think, you know, when you're looking and projecting ahead, you're looking at the guys who are leaving around the conference as well. Like Jordan Travis, unfortunately, his season ended, his career ended at Florida State the way that it did. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke hit the portal at Miami. Uh, Drake May is, uh, he hasn't, I don't think he's declared yet, but I, I would be shocked if he doesn't go to the NFL. Like he's projected to be a top five pick in the draft. So there's so many quarterbacks that, that, that are leaving the ACC and, and that are experienced and, Haynes King could be the best quarterback. And Riley Leonard from Duke's another one, just to mention him real quick. He's in the portal. Everybody's projected him to go to Notre Dame. We'll see where that lands. But Haynes King could be the best returning quarterback in the ACC. Now, whether he remains the best quarterback in the ACC is a question because I can already tell you that Florida State, Miami, and uh, they're both gunning for big-time transfer portal quarterbacks. So we'll see what they do there. But, man, I I really do think you could – you could see Haynes King on a preseason all ACC team uh, heading into next year. Yeah, and I feel like you could make the argument of not only Haynes King being a top quarterback in the ACC, but Georgia Tech being a top team in the ACC preseason. Yeah, I'm going to have to see some more from the defense before I go that far, but I at least feel comfortable on offense. Like, there's still things to improve upon. And Look, it's pretty cliche to say, but you hear the phrase a lot. There is generally the biggest improvement from in coaching tenures from year one to year two. 
And I think that's going to be the thing because we haven't even mentioned possibly the biggest returning piece of it all, Buster Faulkner. He didn't go anywhere. You know, Arkansas, there were some rumors there about them offering him a lot of money to be their offensive coordinator. Nothing came of that. There were some room there there were some reports going around that Middle Tennessee State was interested in him being their their next head coach. Remember, he was their offensive corner that coordinator there in the past, but they opted to hire former Vanderbilt head coach Derek Mason uh, this past week. So provided nothing like shocking happens in the next few weeks or whatnot. Like the, he's gonna be back and and we've already mentioned all the guys coming back now. Replacing Scaglione is going to be like a, a pretty big part of it. Like you're going to have to find a reliable right guard. Like he wasn't. I don't know that he has necessarily an NFL future, but like he was a pretty good starting guard. Like he he was reliable. He 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 wasn't hurt. He didn't commit a lot of penalties, and he was just he was really solid. And I think he improved as the year went on because he did not start the year off at right guard. He he got inserted pretty quickly in the second third games of the year and and, and kind of took off from there, but. Uh, replacing him not won't necessarily be easy. Uh, I think a guy from both the leadership perspective in the locker room um, and, and also on the field, like he came on strong towards the end of the year and had his moment start his career as Dante Smith. Like I, th- I think he does mean a lot to the team as far as leadership goes. They're going to have to kind of find that that running back too. Like Trey Cooley had that earlier in the year. Well, can he reclaim that? You know, true freshman Evan Dickens, you know, he, he saw a little bit of action early in the year, but not a lot. Can he take a step up? Like Tech has a couple running backs coming in, but um, man, just really they, they're just returning so much just around them. Yeah, and um, having Joe Fusau return, and yesterday uh, you had uh, Horace Lockett announce he's returning, uh, but on the offensive side, you uh, you really don't have a lot to replace. Not saying that. A guard is an unimportant position, but all of the big main positions in the offense uh, are returning. Yeah, and, and something else I want to mention too is the tight end position. Like Dylan Leonard is gone, Luke Benson is gone, but they're like Brett Seether's coming back. I'm kind of interested to see what Jackson Long does. He now he was a freshman transfer they took from USF last offseason. Didn't really play much this year, but like he could be relied upon. I think they're gonna get somebody in the portal. To be to be honest, like I, I do think that's going to happen, but man, I, I know I, I, it, the question was asked to him a few times this year, and and Brent Key usually kind of got irritated a little bit, like people talking about the production from the tight end position, and mainly just being about the receiving, whether it's catches, yards, whatever, and like he would just he would talk about Dylan Leonard's blocking and the impact that it made, and just like how much that means, and I, I do think he's right to an extent. Like I, I think Leonard was a good, not great blocker, but. Replacing somebody like that, and again, it's it's like Dante Smith. Like, there's just a leadership void there. Like, Dylan Leonard was a captain. Like, he he really meant a lot to the team in the locker room, and really was a voice. So, interested to see what they do there. Like, I still think the talent at receiver is better. So, I don't know that I would just make it a point to have a tight end on the field like all the time, especially in passing situations. Like, I, I know most people like to have a receiving threat at tight end, but I don't think it's necessarily. Uh, that way, like you have plenty of good receivers, like Singleton, Rutherford, Christian Leary, uh, Abdul Janae, like, and also this receiver position is only going to get better because, and hopefully he stays healthy. It's been a problem, but Leo Blackburn is going to be back, like he is slated to be back anyway. I remember he tore his ACL and I think it was the first week of spring practice. I know it was very early on, wasn't able to come back at all this year. I hope he's ready to go um, this spring. We'll see. 
how that goes. But he he is a serious mismatch problem. I was super excited to see him in this offense this past year. Obviously, it didn't work out that way. But And then the young guys coming in as well. Kobe Young, uh, a 2024 recruit. Isaiah Canyon, 2024 recruit. Like, they're keeping – and Trey Horn from Raven Gap High School. Like, they, they are keeping this position really well stocked. And, like, I think it's – continuity is the key. Like, you know, last year going in at this time of year – I don't even know if Fulton was hired at this time of year, but going into the spring, you're you're taught you're worrying about learning a system and and learning a lot of different things and learning how to play together. And you're talking about a, a bunch of guys that hadn't done that yet. Now it's just all right, what can we clean up? What can we do to make this offense better and yet remain explosive? And we saw each position make huge strides this year. Like me and you've talked about the the offensive line like this year being a huge strength. Like they were 19th nationally in sacks allowed, and they had the number one rushing offense in the country – or not not the country, excuse me, in the ACC. Like that's massive improvement from where it was. Like they were in the hundreds in most every category. Um, Can they they take a step further? Like I think, you know, as good as Ethan McKinney was as a true freshman, like I think you and I would agree. Like, you know, you want to see a little bit more consistency and growth there. Like, like you saw from Weston Franklin and Joe Fusile this year at the center and the left guard positions. Jordan Williams, I think, could be an NFL prospect if he can, one, stay healthy, and two, just keep improving. Like, he has good athleticism. He's a good player. Um, and then, like I mentioned, the younger guys coming in. Blackburn's going to be back. Jamal Haynes. I, I want to see Jamal Haynes used in the passing game a little bit more than he was this year. I felt like that was a little bit something that that wasn't used as much. Like they, I know they did it in the Louisville game. I, I just felt like that was an area of the offense that could have been explored a little bit more. But man, like I don't know if you can tell, I'm super excited about this offense, and we'll see what happens with the rest of the teams in the ACC. Like you know, Mike Norvell is a great coach. He's a good play caller. Like they're going to figure things out on offense, but. They're losing Travis, their top running back, their top two receivers, key offensive linemen. Like, you know, Miami has a lot of questions offensively as long as Mario Cristobal is their head coach. North Carolina's losing a star quarterback. I think it, it could be really dangerous on offense for, for Tech next year. Uh, any other thoughts on that before we want to get to the other coaching news that happened this week? Yeah, I just wanted to say I really want to applaud Brent Key with his progression of the offensive line because like you said there were a lot of steps taken this year in the offense um and i think a lot of that has to do with it with the difference in play calling but the ability to like the stats that you said georgia tech's offensive line was near the hundreds stats wise and now we're top 20 offensive line um in the in the country, I don't I don't think you have that with any other coach. I I think Brent Key is a guy who, you know, played offensive line, and that is that is the culture he wants to build. And I I think that sets the stage for what's to come for Georgia Tech offense. 100% agreement, man. I think the biggest thing they need to clean up is turnovers. Go to next year. Like, Haynes King, as good as he was this year, like 15 interceptions. Those interceptions were really costly in games against Boston College, Bowling Green. Like, it, it was it was not good at times like that. He, he's going to have to take better care of the ball, but I, I think he can do it. Like, Buster Faulkner got, out of, got a lot out of him this year. We'll see what goes into 2024. But um, some coaching news that did happen earlier in the week. 
It first was reported by Football Scoop that Travaris Tillman and Andrew Thacker were being let go. As it turns out, that's not quite the case, at least not yet. They're being reassigned to off-the-field roles. They're still out there recruiting. Um, what happens after the bowl game, we're not sure, but it was announced officially by Georgia Tech that uh, they're going to be reassigned to off-the-field roles. Not officially fired yet. Um, we'll we'll kind of just wait and see what happens, but that's kind of you know all really you can say at this point is that uh, they're not going to be position coaches anymore. Any any real big thoughts on that before we get out of here? Not really. I, I just think it's a matter of time before we hear more news of that. Yeah, and like I think the players really do like Andrew Thacker. Like I like listening to him talk. Like he he is a, he he does care a lot about the players, and I I think it's reciprocated as well like he, he does a good job in that area that the you know when he was defense coordinator it just never clicked like at any point the, like the, the most you could say was there were stretches when Brent Key took over as the interim head coach like he had great performances against North Carolina they did a solid job for about two and a half quarters against Georgia um they, they did a pretty good job in, in some other games but going into this year now you were losing Keon White Charlie Thomas Ace Ely some some really key players but man, like you, you can't perform like that. Like the, the bowling green game was the last straw before Kevin Sherr took over his play calling duties. It just never seemed to work with Andrew Thacker. Tillman sort of surprised me. Uh, j- just like I'm not saying he was an elite coach, but like the secondary has not really been the issue the past couple of years. Like it, 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 it kind of underwhelmed a little bit this year. Now, Jalen King was obviously he was all ACC player. Um, and you, you have talent back there at safety, but like I don't feel like the the secondary was quite the issue. But it might just be they were the only two holdovers on the defensive side from the Jeff Collins era. So it might just be time to kind of move on from that. And like a- assuming that they're not going to be back in any role at Georgia Tech, whether that happens or not, that'll leave Chris Winkie as the only coach still left over from the Jeff Collins era. And he done a good job. He did a good job with Haynes King this year. And so like uh, he's of course going to stay, but. Yeah, that was some coach news. There was a little bit of confusion uh, at first because it was reported they were part, they football scoop reported that they were parting ways with them. wasn't quite the case, but uh, we'll we'll see what happens after the bowl game. I, I thought there there was some rumor that there was going to be some changes made after the bowl game. That news got leaked early to football scoop, so we'll we'll see what happens. But we are going to be back, I believe, next Sunday with a big big bowl preview. Everything you want to know about that gaming issue, bowl gaming issue, CF, we're going to be here to break it down for you next Sunday afternoon. Uh, we'll have it up as, as soon as we get done recorded. Be sure to listen to it. And like I said earlier, just any show of support, we really appreciate. We're trying to just grow this show, uh, learn as much as we can, and, and really create a good community. So any review you want to leave, any comments you want to leave, that would be much appreciated. Make sure to like and subscribe to wherever you get your podcast doesn't matter to us but uh rj anything else before we get out of here man one thing that we forgot to talk about uh kyle canard which was a big loss on defense um he just made his official visit to florida state uh not a couple hours ago oh another thing man like we we forgot a couple of key points i I meant to bring this up in our pre-show meeting college game day is headed to ireland next year for the uh, opening game between Florida State. Because as soon as you mentioned Florida State, I'm like, what else happened with Florida State this week? Like non-playoff snub related for them. Um, And, yeah, yesterday it was announced that College Game Day is going to be at Dublin, Ireland. 
I think it's the first time they've done any Georgia Tech game since like 2019. I thought that's what I read in the press release they sent out yesterday. Um, the first time they've ever done an overseas show as well. I know they were supposed to do a show. Notre Dame and Navy were supposed to play in Dublin, Ireland, the COVID year. But obviously that that changed a lot of things uh, with, with COVID going on. So there were no overseas games that year. So that plan got scrapped, and they haven't done a show over there since. You know, Northwestern and Nebraska played a couple of years ago. Notre Dame and Navy did play in Ireland this year. But, yeah, college game day is going to be there. Georgia Tech, Florida State. It's going to be a very interesting matchup again. We still need to see what happens in the portal with both teams because not a ton has happened as of yet. Uh, Florida State's got a lot of uh, reloading they're going to have to do. But Georgia Tech, at least on the offensive side of the ball, has a lot coming back. So could be a fun game. Well, it's going to be a big challenge. Uh, Tech never seems to play a – no opponent should ever be taken as easy. But they open this year with Louisville. They're opening next year with Florida State. They'll open the year before with Clemson. Like, it just doesn't seem like they, – they just – they go right into it. Like, you know, they, they they don't ease themselves into the schedule at all. But um, that was the only any, – any, anything on college game day? Not really. I, I just think it's going to be um, – the, the Georgia Tech uh, – AD earlier today, actually earlier yesterday, talked about how it's going to be a big opportunity, um, not only for the Georgia Tech program, but he really stressed that that's going to be a big opportunity to expose the country to Brent Key, which is something I thought was interesting. Yeah. But like I said, next Sunday, new episode will be dropped. We're going to break all the bowl game down, make our predictions. Everything's going to be there. And we will have an instant reaction show um, from Tampa. I will be down there covering the game in Tampa, so looking forward to that. My first time ever in Tampa, especially at the Pirate uh, Ship Stadium, so I'm looking forward to that. But that's going to do it for us. Like I said, make sure subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review. We will see you next time. That's RJ Schaefer. This is Jackson Caldell. Thank you for listening. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.